You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Wowie, this is episode 60 of the Pimpcron Warhammer Podcast, and this is your host, Pimpcron. I'm sassy, I'm metallic, and I also have a podcast, which, wow, the coincidence, this is what you're listening to right now. So, what are we talking about tonight? Well, we have a special, special guest. Yes, that's right. The lady I crawled out of her womb. Yep. Now, I'm not talking about that one lady where we were on a shipwreck on a desert island, but the desert island was really cold because it was the winter time, and it was a really large lady, and I cut her belly open like a tauntaun in order to survive, and then later I crawled out of her and uh, come to find out we were just really drunk, and it was SeaWorld. So I served like four years in jail for that. It was... Uh, I pled insanity. It was, it, was, it was nuts. It was really, really nuts, and... Whew, I still get chills. Um, well, that got dark real quick. So what are we talking about? That's right. Momcron is on tonight. That is my mother. And but whoa, 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 before you check out right now, what are we going to be talking about? Well, first of all, she joins me on a Want That or Want That Not, where we discuss the Inquisition dude on a Dreadnought for Sisters of Battle and the Inquisition. I forget his name. Don't ask me to remember his name. Point being, he's on a Dreadnought. It's an old model. I thought it was weird enough that I should ask someone that's completely unaffiliated with Warhammer what she thinks of it, and I don't think she disappoints. We also uh, have her on here for a not necessarily Warhammer talk, but a general talk of geek-dumb and nerd-dumb over the years. And as you could assume... I am in my 30s, and my mother is older than in her 30s, because she, I mean, I'm not going to do the math for you people, but uh, she had to be in childbearing years, so what's that, at least seven years old nowadays? I think that's seven years old, so she was at least seven years older than me when she had me. (laughs) And uh, she uh, discusses with me what nerds and geeks were like back when she went to school in the 60s and 70s. Um, oh my God, no, 70s and 80s. And um, how that whole culture was different, how they were treated different and all that. And then we bring ourselves all the way through the 80s, 90s and into today with the acceptance of geek culture in the mainstream. And I think it's a pretty darn interesting conversation, honestly, because this is nothing that I ever really discussed with her before. So I actually learned a lot about what life was like back then for nerds and geeks and, you know, was D&D a thing she knew about? And what about comic books and all of that stuff? Warhammer's in there a little bit, but, um, you know, Warhammer is kind of a niche within a niche. It's a it's a very specific brand of war game, which is a specific category of board game which is a specific category of nerddom, which is a specific category of people in general are nerds. So it's, you know, it's like a rushing nesting doll of topics Warhammer is. So I had to go a little more broad with that, but super interesting, I think. We also have a twofer on the Tesseract mailbox tonight for you. We have a a recording. That's right. We have a voicemail from our friend Andy, and he... Uh, calls in and he has a question for me. I'm not going to spoil it. And we also have a letter from a guy named Matt and, uh, and I won't spoil that either. So, oh man. And sorry for the audio quality. Um, I am in an undisclosed location for this recording session and the audio quality is not like what it is back at the Necron bunker. I, uh, am not currently, uh, at my house at the time of recording. Uh, let me think of a couple different things that could have happened. My chimney was full of mud. I don't know about how that happened. My smoke detector caught fire and there was nobody left in the house to alert me because the smoke detector itself was on fire. And my septic tank overflowed with all of the meatballs that my children have not been eating and have been putting down the toilet. So that kind of overflowed into my bathroom. The uh, the hamster that we have actually got into the breaker panel 
And now it smells delicious in the room with the breaker panel, by the way. I mean, it smells delicious, but it got cooked in the breaker panel. And we have fried hamster. It also ruined our breaker panel. So come to find out this thing's really fatty and high voltage and fat just messes up the works, really gunks it up. Also, there was, uh, you, you know, I live in Maryland, uh, USA. And if you know anything about Maryland, there's a lot of wild buffalo in our area and they roam, you know, they're always in the streets and they're, you know, all of our high schools are named after buffaloes and um, our mayor, actually the mayor of the town is a buffalo. And we had a buffalo break into our house and this thing came in and ate every single sink faucet in our entire house. Just ate, just chewed it up like a, like a goat. I'm like, what is this? A goat? And no, it was, it was a buffalo. So, uh, we have, we have a lot of buffalo issues around here. Buffalo are, um, they, um, they'll, they'll, they'll rob you in broad daylight. A buffalo will, um, specifically if you have any metal on you, like they'll eat car keys and, and whatnot. That's a little known fact. Am I rambling? I feel like I'm rambling. No, I'm just spitballing ridiculous ideas why I am not home at this exact minute. And, you know, normally I'm at home 24 hours a day. Like, I literally am agoraphobic. But in this case, um, once I started having all these dreams and nightmares about clowns, uh, specifically clowns um, that are nude, the most most disturbing thing about it is that only their face was painted. The rest of their body was their normal skin color. And I'm not actually afraid of clowns, but I'm afraid of people with a different colored body than their head. And that is my fear. So, uh, man, I am just, I am legitimately just rambling at this point. I don't know if this is entertaining at all, or am I just spitballing BS your way? So why don't we get going with the show? In hobby progress, uh, I've been playing, I've been making some more Caradron Overlords. I bought a frigate. I'm assembling it. Really don't care for assembly of models that much. And, uh... Otherwise, I'm excited to be getting my first frigate. Seems to me like two frigates is better than an ironclad, but uh, I already have an ironclad and it's my baby. So what do you do? You know, it's like it's like when you have a kid and then you have a second kid and realize the first kid's a real dud. Yeah, it's kind of like that. But I mean, you still keep the first kid because I mean, why not? You know, the tax the tax exemption at, at the least. I'm in a weird mood. Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. And welcome to another edition of the Tesseract mailbox. And today we have a letter from Matt. And he wrote in at facebook.com slash pimpcron. You could also write in at pimpcron at gmail.com. After that, we also have a message from Grendel, who is one of our top Patreon patrons. But first, we have a letter from Matt. Matt writes, Hey, Pimpcron, you mentioned a while ago that you were working on a top-secret book that was a supplement to our, quote, favorite 28mm fantasy or futuristic war game that uses D6s. LOL. What is the status of that book? Thanks, Matt. Well, Matt, you may be thinking of... Goodness gracious, this chair is very... You know, I try to lean back, get relaxed, and this is what I have to deal with. Do you hear this? Anyway, that book, uh, I'm not going to say the title just yet, but essentially that is going to be a supplement to exactly what you said. No particular game is it designed for. Certainly not. I don't know what game I would even make that for. But it will fit perfectly with your favorite 28mm fantasy and or futuristic war game that uses D6s. The reason why I say that is because 28mm, uh, any ranges or additions to range or anything like that, the board size and all of that is based off 28mm games. Uh, it is genre, genre, sorry, genre neutral, so it can be used for fantasy or futuristic. And it makes sure uh, you have to use D6s for it because if you use D10s or whatever, it would throw off all the modifiers. Obviously, you know, what is uh, plus one on a D6 is that 18% increase, but if it were a plus one on a D10, it would be a 10% increase. So that would drastically change what 
the goal of the book is. But it is very close to going off to the printers. It is currently being uh, graphically designed, I guess would be the word. And it is very, very close to being sent off to get my very first copy to see what it looks like when it's all said and done. What is in this book? Well, it is a big collection. As you know, I am a narrative gamer. I am a fluff gamer. I like just having fun and telling a good story with a buddy or sometimes by myself. So there are special missions in this book that are specifically narrative driven. There's an entire mechanic to help tell a story that is a thin layer that gets added onto your favorite 28mm game. And there is a whole narrative campaign with a small storyline that you can, uh, the winnings of each battle not only lead into the next battle, but also have benefits for all of your, you know, armies or the winner or whatever. You might find a cache of artifacts and you get more artifacts for the rest of the game, or you might, you know, save some hero or whatever and get a bravery buff for your units, or there's many, many different things. What I also do for all of my custom missions is I have a twist or two at the end where it is not mandatory to do the twist. Um, Come on, everybody, let's do the twist. Uh, It's not mandatory to do the twist, but it is something like, for instance, I'm just going to spitball one. Uh, It'll say twist. If you make your objectives magical, if that's part of the story, if your objectives are magical, then it buffs your casting rolls within six inches or whatever. Um, You get the point. So that is what I've been up to. There is new missions. There's new uh, narrative features to it. There's an actual full uh, campaign for two or more people that helps tell a story in addition to the missions. It uses the missions in the book. There is... uh, a campaign mode where people actually uh, improve and get better stats and things like that. They can also become injured and get worse, which is interesting. And one of my favorite parts of this book is the fact that we have what I call realm effects. So what I've done is I've taken the idea of fighting in ice or in the jungle or in the desert or whatever, And uh, all these different realms, I forget how many there are in the book, six or something like that. They're all basically the realms that you would ever be fighting in. And there is a table you roll on and at the beginning of the game, and it adds a small amount of flavor to your game that helps you make it more believable that you really are fighting in an Arctic tundra or in a crazy alien world or whatever. So you can... If you pile on all of these very thin, simple, easy to apply layers to your games, then it is adding a complete narrative feel to it. And it is completely game changing as far as uh, playing your games and enjoying them and having a narrative story to tell. What I've found and the reason why I made this book is because uh, I didn't really intend this intend on turning this into an infomercial, but yeah, whatever. The reason why I made the book is that I know from Shorehammer and other places, just knowing people in general, they love the idea of narrative games, but they have no idea how to actually implement them. So uh, what you would do is you would take one of my missions in the book, which is already geared towards being narrative. You could choose to use the twist or not use the twist. And then you choose which realm you're playing in. That gives a little tweak here or there, um, realm effects, things that could happen, good or bad, for your armies that are playing on this board. So not only do you have a custom narrative mission, but you also have a custom layer of um, environmental, you know, situations. If you wanted to, you could um, link this into the campaign that's also in there. And then you add the plot point table. And uh, I don't want to get into too much of it, but essentially it helps balance the game in favor of, you know, if someone is winning seriously, then the other person gets plot points and I'm not going to go and get into all of it. But essentially it's aimed at not only helping you tell a narrative story, but also leveling the playing field if you're behind horribly. So there's a lot to that. And um I'm very excited about it. Like I said, it's all written. It's all finished. It's uh, in the graphic design phase. 
I think it's 50 pages, something like that. And uh, if this sells well, um, then, of course, I'll be making other ones. Uh, my entire life has been a background of game design and things like that. It's my passion. I can't tell you how many rule books that I own for RPGs and skirmish games and miniatures games and board games. Um, so many games that... I have that I've never played. I just read the rules because I love game mechanics. I love all that stuff. Um, sadly enough, I actually have a book that I bought years and years ago before I was in Warhammer. And essentially it was like old games made new or something like that. And it was all these alternative rules for, you know, poker and checkers and chess and um, dominoes and whatever. And I just poured through that book and loved it. Um, and not to mention, I've made my own versions of checkers and and uh, card games and all that too. So anyway, this has been a labor of love for me, and I'm excited to uh, help people make you know new narrative uh, battles, and hopefully they will get more enjoyment out of the game because you know just trying to win, win, win all the time and being competitive and whatnot, not really caring what happens narratively. It gets kind of old after a while, so hopefully people will enjoy this and it will help spice up their games. You know, you don't even have to use every chapter of the book. Even if you bought the book and used just the realm effects or, you know, just the campaign or just the whatever. I mean, it's there's a lot, lot, lot in this book, and I probably forgot some stuff, but you, you get the point. So let's get on to, oh my god, what is this? This is a recording from our friend Grendel. Let's play it. Hey, Ben Crown, it's Andy here, just calling to see if uh, the line is still open. I haven't heard anyone call in lately, so I wanted to give it a test. While I'm here, I might as well ask you a question. With all these new Space Marine uh, updates, what's the four Xenos players supposed to do? Take it easy. Well, thanks for writing in. Uh, I can't help but wonder, was that a backhanded comment there, uh, Andy? When you say that nobody uses the voicemail, I mean, you're not wrong, but <laughs> I wish people use the voice more, more often. Uh, why don't they call in? Please, dear God, people call in. Uh, so you say, what is there to, uh, what is a poor Xenos player to do? Dude, I don't know. Um, you know, Xenos in some ways have dominated the tabletop. I mean, Tal has had their time in the spotlight in, in years past Eldar are still pretty good. Um, you know, there's, there's Gene Steeler called, I don't think has ever been in the top tier ever, but, um, it's just, you know, Tyranids are not bad now. Like, I mean, it's, it's not a terrible time to be a Xenos player. Unlike, you know, gosh, a sixth and seventh edition for Tyranids was just awful. Just awful. I mean, I played still back then, but man, we had to get supplements just to get new units and then they weren't that great. It was a dark, dark time for the hive mind. But, uh, so I, I just, you know, I just recently played a Space Marines player, and, um, now this is, you can't hold anything against poor old Derek, who is my opponent, he's a great guy, honestly, he's one of my favorite people to play in the club, so, uh, don't think that I'm crapping on him or anything like that at all, but he brought the new Space Marines Codex, and, um, and in this game I realized there's something that I absolutely do not like, in games and it's something that will make you mad very quickly and that's gotcha moments and his codex is just chock full of gotcha moments because it's the first time i played space marines and they break so many basic rules of the game i mean i'm not saying you know ner uh, um little benefits and boosts and whatnot i'm talking about legitimately just ignore whole sections of the game um the deployment phase they they can ignore the wound phase they can ignore, you know, um, the AP of their weapons they can modify. I mean, you just, you name it, they break these new rules. And I don't know, of course, you know, this may not be as bad as I think it is, um, because just like when, you know, Imperial Guard came out and that was the thing, uh, the 8th edition codex, you know, they were pretty scary for a while and that's kind of died down. And then orcs were really scary and that's kind of died down. And Prior to that, Tyranids were scary, and that's kind of died down. So, you know, all these things, um, you know, Grey Knights were really, oh, 
No, I guess they weren't. I guess Grey Knights were never really scary this edition. That's sad. But uh, point being is that, you know, there's all these paradigm shifts in the meta and things like that. So I'm sure we're going to adapt, but it does concern me about the direction this game might be going because this, in my opinion, is a huge leap forward. And I'm not here saying that Space Marines didn't deserve a boost. I'm not saying that, you know, they they have never played on the tabletop the way they should, depending on the lore. But a lot of armies don't, you know. I mean, orcs should be super, super tough too, and they really aren't. Toughness 4, 1 wound, 6 up save. Like, you know, orcs in the stories can survive with their head cut off and stuff like that, and you don't see orcs doing that on the tabletop. So, it, um... I'm happy Space Marines got a boost, but the way they went about it concerns me about the uh, future of 8th edition because so far in 8th edition, they've done a fairly good job of keeping everything balanced. And I'm waiting for one of two things, either a very big nerf for Space Marines soon, either a huge points increase because of all these new abilities or a lot of these abilities are going to be cut down. Uh, either that is going to happen or we're going to enter this whole new phase of hyper deadly combat for all these codexes. And you know what? If that's the case, if all these codexes just ignore the freaking basic game roles, then okay, that's fine. As of this exact moment, I feel like Space Marines are in a very, very good position. And I'm not upset with that. I play Space Marines. I mean, it's hard to find an army I don't play, but... I have my Celestial Lions, I have my Space Wolves, you know, I get that. I have I have fun with those. And they definitely deserve some sort of boost. But, man, if if they start doing this with every army, I don't know. It, it's almost like we're going to be back into detachment territory, you know, where, oh, uh, yeah, the Necron Codex came out. Yeah, um, you can take as many uh, Night Scythes and uh, Ghost Arcs as you want. Just all transports, they're just completely free. Yeah, Monoliths, yeah, they're free. Like, you know, remember when um, Space Marines got all their Rhinos for free and Admech got, uh, I think it was all their artifacts. Like, they just got to take every single artifact for free and um, stuff like that. It's just, it scares me because they've they've shown a surprising amount of restraint in the last two years that 8th Edition's been around. And it scares me that suddenly we're doing a gear shift. And, you know, maybe... Maybe it'll go back to normal. You know, Space Marines was a bump in the road and they're going to be fairly powerful and, you know, everything is going to stay the same, whatever. Sure, I can't, you know, predict the future. I do know that we will adapt like we always do. It's not that big of a deal. But, um, you know, we'll see. And as far as Xenos love, I don't see any Xenos love on the horizon, so... But I'm very, very happy you called in, Andy, and I appreciate you giving us a call. And uh, I mean, honestly, I had to blow the dust off our um, answer machine. So somebody, please, please call the damn answer machine, okay? Um, I don't know what I can threaten you all with, but I really, really need this answering machine used, okay, people? This good old hotline number is 419-972-1811. That's 419-972-1811 and call now. If you call in the next 30 minutes, you will get a second call for free. That's right. You heard it here first. Two calls on the Pimp Crown line for the price of one. You need to get on that nonsense right now. Anyway, thank you, Matt, for writing in, and thank you, Andy, for calling in. I greatly appreciate it, and please keep the letters and calls coming because, uh, you know, I mean, this is this is what fuels this entire segment, so it can't all be Andy and Matt, okay? Uh, it's probably the first time Matt's written in, but you, 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 you get what I'm saying. Want that or want that not? Hey everybody, it's Want That or Want That Not, and I am with the Momcron. And today, we are talking about Inquisitor Karamazov from the uh, Sisters of Battle, I think it is, or Inquisition. I think it's Sisters of Battle. Hold on. What is it? Uh, Ordo Hereticus. Uh, I think he's part of Sisters of Battle. Pretty sure. Yeah. So anyway, uh, describe this, Momcron. What on earth are we looking at here? 
I don't know what to say about it because I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on in this. I mean, I see a couple heads and some skulls. So it's got legs. And some fire. Right? It's got legs. Yeah. Metal legs. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah. Yeah. Let me let me take another look at it uh, from this angle. What, what do you think that is? Um. I still I don't know. Here, another angle. It's like a robot with crap hanging off of it. Yes, it's I don't a robot. Know. It's a dreadnought. Have you ever seen a dreadnought? I've seen dreads. No, <laughs> no, a dreadnought. No. In, okay, so it's it's like a robot. Oh wait, we have another special guest. Oh my gosh, Cron Junior. Hi, Cron Junior. Hi, kids. <laughs> so anyway, what do you uh, what do you think of it, Mom Cron? What what does this look like to you? It looks like some kind of robot. With all these symbols and scrolls hanging off of it with some Chinese dude at the top. It looks like the guy from Karate Kid. <laughs> Mr. Miyagi. Yeah. Mr. It's Inquisis- Inquisitor Miyagi is what it is. I have no idea. And then this guy looks like Uncle Fester on the left. Yeah. Um, and it looks like some kind of gun all the way to the right with three barrels. What about this homie hanging over here on the right? He looks like... A monkey. <laughs> so essentially, this is the leader of. Um, he's an inquisitor, right? So he w- works for the Inquisition, and they go to battle heretics. And instead of uh, walking like a like a schlub, he has a pimped out dreadnought that he sits in the chair of and just points and yells at. He's got a uh, a person over here that's probably been lobotomized, called a servitor. And who is writing what he's saying on the scroll. And he's got another servitor who's definitely been lobotomized that's running the gun. And basically, uh, human beings are so worthless in the 41st millennium that they use them for everything. They'll use skulls as little drones and things like that. So that's, yeah, yeah it's easier than building robots. So There's um, just too much going on right there for me. I, I don't know. <laughs> So, wouldn't you like one of those, though? That's like a next-level jazzy is what that is. You get a giant robotic walking... No. Is that a want-that-or-want-that-not for you, Mom Cron? It's a want-that-not. No? This no. doesn't This doesn't speak to you in any way? No. You weren't a fan of the Karate Kid? No. <laughs> oh. Wow. That's... Wow. Borderline racist, but okay. What about... <laughs> <laughs> this is a children's podcast. Anyway, um, I think it's pretty cool. Uh, it would be um, half of a want that for me. I'm not sure. I mean, the guy looks really happy on there. So he, at least he's having a good time, right? Yeah. Um, okay. Um, this is this is just a perfect depiction uh, of a crazy over-the-top Warhammer model where they just throw all kinds of ornate crap all over it and... You know what I mean? Like, I agree. A lot of it's this gothic, weird stuff, and um, that's what draws a lot of people to 40k. So, um, this is a pretty—I think it's a pretty cool model. It's strange, but it's pretty cool. I think it would be a nightmare to paint. Oh uh, yeah, all that scroll work and things—all mm-hmm. the yeah—that would be difficult. But overall, um, if I played this army, this is not one army I have, but I would want it. I, I think it's a pretty neat looking model, and. Normally what happens is you don't have those two drone people on either side and the person that's in a dreadnought has basically been mortally wounded in combat. So they put them in a coffin and hook them up to this machine. And a dreadnought is like a walking coffin where it's just like a a head and a torso running this machine is what a dreadnought is. Who comes up with this stuff? Who created this? The British. The British? Yeah, the British did it. So it's it's very gothic and very weird and, and all that, but... So that is a want that not for Mom Cron, half a want that for Cron Jr., and a want that for Pem Cron. We covered all the bases. Yep. Yep, pretty much. All right, thanks for being on. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pem Cron. Hey everybody, it's Real Talk with the Pimp Cron, and today we have a special guest. We have Mom Cron, that's right, the mother of Pimp Cron and the grandmother of Cron Jr. So, hi Mom Cron. Hi. 
And we actually wanted to discuss something that might be interesting to some of you. Some of you have actually lived through this, and maybe it's not a surprise, but for the younger of you in the audience, my age or around that that age, um, you know, geek culture has changed a lot in the last 10 to really 20 years, the 90s, 2000s, or, oh, geez, I'm dating myself. Actually, the aughts and the teens. Wow, that's that's hard to believe because I think 20 years ago was the 90s and the 2000s, but now, oh, God. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> so um, what can you tell me about nerd culture and how they were seen and what they did and all of that? Um, first off, when did you go to school? What decades? Um, I started in kindergarten in 69, <laughs> <laughs> and I graduated high school in 82. So. Graduated the eighth grade? <laughs> no, no. So um, you say, uh, what was the 79, what did you say? What? 69 to 82. Uh, to 82, okay. Um so how were, like in high school, how were nerds in general, you know, how did they dress, how did they act? What were they in the late 70s, early 80s? Well, in our area, I don't know if it's this way everywhere, um, the nerds were actually like you see them on TV, like in the 80s movies. They had greasy hair. They had the tape on their glasses. They didn't dress nice. They so were- we haven't changed at all. <laughs> no, <laughs> actually, I'm looking at you as I'm as I'm saying all this, um, but they were outcasts. They weren't accepted. They didn't have friends, and they didn't even hang out with each other. They didn't have they didn't have groups of nerds. Only if they went to a club, like a club after school, not a not a dance club. Yeah, not um, the discotheca. Right? Yeah, if they had a club after school, they would all meet there. But that was it. What kind of clubs are you talking about? Like astronomy. Of course, we didn't have um, video games. We didn't have, you know, uh, board games that they played after school. So the only thing they had was like astronomy or chess club or, you know, checkers or... Maybe a stamp club? Actually, yeah. Stamp club. Yeah, yeah. Um, Not that I hung out with these people, but, you know, we, (laughs) we all knew... You know, we knew where they were and what they were doing. So you're already distancing yourself from this demographic. Yeah. Now, I was always nice to the nerds because I felt sorry for them uh-huh. because nobody else would talk to them. And most of them had a really bad attitude um, because they just knew if you talked to them, you were going to be mean to them. So even if you tried to be nice to them, they were kind of mean to you because they were used to that. So uh-huh. I always tried to be nice to them, but um, you never saw them after school. Of course, they were at no parties. They were never at Skateland. They were never where anybody was hanging out. Um, so, so you say they they looked like you mean you said like tape on the on the glasses, tape on the glasses, greasy hair, dandruff, clothes that were way outdated, pants pulled up to their you know so, to their chest. So this the the stereotype you see in movies and all of that is actually founded in. I always feel like that was the worst of the worst, but that actually was how they acted and looked. Well, that is the worst of the worst. Not all of them wore glasses, but yeah. a lot of them did, and a lot of them did have tape on them. Um, so that that is the worst of the worst. No, that's funny because we still have those people in our community now, but by far they're the minority. You know, we call them neckbeards because they never they never shave down their neck, and oh. they always have they always have beards all the way down there, kind of like I have right now. Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and uh, they have, um, they're, they're called neck beards because they're, you know, they, they, they're greasy and un- unkempt and yeah. they don't have girlfriends or significant yeah. others or. That's another uh, thing. The, the girl nerds and the boy nerds, you never saw them together. They never dated. They did have the best grades in school because they never went anywhere and did anything. And, and most of them never hung out after school. So, um, and I will say this, when you go to your reunion, most of the nerds are the ones that are very successful. They're, they have money mm-hmm. and they don't look that much better. They look a little <laughs> better. So, but they're the, they're really successful. That's funny. And they got good grades. Like you said. Yes. Very good grades. Always at the top of the class. 
So what what was your um, now? Like you said, you weren't a nerd per se, but you were pretty much friendly with all the different groups of people, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. So like the jocks and and you didn't have goths, did you? That wasn't a, a thing. No, we called them burnouts. Oh. Okay. They were the people that wore the, the drab clothes. Yeah, the stoners. They were the people that smoked. They were the people that smoked marijuana. They were the people that. You know, just wore the drab clothes and didn't care about authority or what they look like. Okay, so um, uh, we called them burnouts. So, did you have any um exposure or access to comic books and that whole thing at all? Uh, the only place you could get comic books back in the day, because there was no Amazon.com, uh-huh. there was no computers, was drugstores. They'd have a, a, a metal rack that you could spin around, and it would have, like, Archie and Jughead. Ew. It never had the superheroes. It was always the, um, you know, the little, little Elmer. And Heathcliff. Just, and yeah, all the dumb stuff. Um, but if back in the day we had vinyl records and we had cassette tapes and we had eight tracks, if you went to a store, because you had to go to a store to buy these, um, you would see in there they would have usually a little rack with um, weird comics in it. It still wasn't the Marvel. I don't know where the superheroes really? came from. Now, once in a while, you'd see Superman. Now, of course, they're but, probably in the cities and things because you, oh, yeah. you didn't grow no, up in the city. didn't so. grow up in the city. Um, but I always, um, I, I would, only comic book I ever got was Mad, the Mad comic book. Mad Magazine. Mad Magazine. And um, I can't remember the name, but you have it. The, uh, the vampire, it was a vampire series. Um, and I, I followed that, but I cannot remember the name there's, of it. There's a bunch of them, but I can't think of what it was either. Like Tales of of the Werewolf and, um, like you said, the vampire one I there can't was, think of. I know. The only thing I can think of is the vampire soap opera we watched in the 70s. Which was, uh, Um, Dark Shadows. Yeah. And it's funny because we were all, like, in elementary school, at the beginning of middle school, and my grandmother would call us. We'd be out in the yard playing in the summer, and she'd call us it's time for dark shadows and we a whole bunch of us would run in their house and watch and it was literally a dracula soap opera oh they read that with johnny depp didn't they yeah yeah we're getting off topic but yeah yeah uh, i remember that um so what about uh, dungeons and dragons what was that did the nerds play that what did you did you ever hear about dungeons and dragons at that time because i think it came out like in the 70s i think is when it i never heard about it in the 70s and of course they didn't play that stuff after school there was no clubs for that but I did hear of d and I graduated in 82, probably around 80, 81. I heard of it. I heard people, but it was the burnouts that played it. It was really? not, yeah, it was always the burnouts that played that stuff. It was the people that would, today you would say would be in Wiccan and all that. Uh-huh. It was those type of people. It was huh. never, you know, no clean cut football player was playing that. <laughs> it just, it didn't happen. And see, once again, of course, we still have the, um, the spiritualists, and we have the the greasy nerds, and we have the burnouts, and we have all in our in our gaming communities. But I think I feel like all of these interests that were originally very niche for all the burnouts and the nerds and all that have slowly been adopted by mainstream culture, and now you have more and more like executive nerds, people that have jobs and have a spouse and have, you know, they're not they're not social outcast necessarily and it's getting more and more popular um i mean just look at all the marvel movies that has helped a ton i mean even when i was in high school and when i was in middle school i don't have to tell you but um b- being a nerd i mean no one really bothered you for it but i would remember i used to wear spider-man shirts to high school and all that yeah. and i was i was the spider-man guy because i liked spider-man before it ever became popular mm-hmm. until the movies came out and then suddenly like the week afterwards i'm gonna i'm exaggerating but the week after the spider-man movie came out then suddenly everyone's wearing spider-man shirts <laughs> well i will tell you this i don't even know if you know this but you asked for and we didn't even have cable tv so i don't even know how you knew about this but you were four years old, and we lived in Virginia. And for Christmas, you asked for a Spider-Man comic book, and I could not find a Spider-Man comic book because then again, there was no computers, there was no Amazon. Uh-huh. Um, we lived in the country on the Eastern Shore. There was no no Walmart. There was nothing. So I had to order. I don't know if you remember this. I couldn't find your comic book, but I ordered a box from J.C. Penney yep. of all these golden books. Just because one of those 20 golden books was a Spider-Man. Uh-huh. 
And that's where you got your first one. Yeah, you also, I, I also recall, this is a little bit of a tangent, but I also recall that for Christmases, you would um, buy uh, a box of a bunch of comic books, mm-hmm. assorted comic books of just random Batman, Spider-Man, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yep. So that's, that's interesting. So, mm-hmm. um, so what about the whole satanic panic thing? Now that happened, what, in the 80s or when was that? Well, it first happened, in, I don't remember what it was called. It happened in the 70s with the rock bands you know they Uh said that they they had satanic messages if you play them backwards so um of course my mother was real religious we couldn't have any of those records and if we got caught with one we'd be in trouble Uh um and the same thing when she heard about um different card games or whatever that was out then what would you say was out then dungeons and dragons i remember her saying don't you can't have this album you better not play these card games because I heard they were, you know, of the devil and, you know, and it, it was just crazy. By golly, if I hear you making one constitution check in your room, <laughs> almost <Yeah>. thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, so, uh, but that that's all you had. That's the only contact you had of it, right? Oh, yeah. No, I didn't know anybody that played it or anything. We were not, you know... So certainly, um, you know, Warhammer came out in the 80s, which is past the time you were even high school. But I'm sure you never I heard was, of that. Wait a now. I graduated in 82, so I was in high school in the 80s. Yeah, but um, Warhammer came out, I think, 87. Is, I it's something like that is when Warhammer came out. But you certainly, did you ever hear about any historical games where they use miniatures or anything like that? The only thing that they used miniatures for was chess. Oh. <laughs> that was it. I mean... Like I said, I didn't hang around with them. Maybe they did something on their own. Yeah. I don't know, but. And did you see the nerds in the record stores getting comic book comic books? No, I think they had their own hours <laughs> where they could go there, because I mean, back in the day when you knew a new album was coming out by the radio, everybody went to the to the record store that day because they wanted to get that album, uh-huh. um, and we were in there all the time looking at old stuff. And of course, when the when the when I started driving. It was eight tracks, and then slowly it went into cassettes. Mm-hmm. So all the songs you loved on an album, on a, a vinyl, all of a sudden you had to get an eight track to listen to mm-hmm. it in your truck. And then all of a sudden you want that same song and a cassette because it went pretty quick from eight tracks to cassettes, and cassettes hmm. hung in there a long time. But you never saw the nerds in there. Never saw them. I never saw them outside of school. That's weird. I don't know where they went. You never saw them in the mall. You never saw them at Skateland. You never saw them riding around. You never saw them anywhere. Maybe they couldn't be out in the daylight. Maybe not. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, dark Shadows. What was it called? Dark Shadows. Yeah, Dark Shadows. Maybe they were doing their own Dark Shadows. <laughs> Maybe they were. I don't know. So especially with the new superhero movies and everything like that becoming so popular, um, I know in our local store, we see way more um, you know, women coming in and buying comic books. More people in general are getting into... There's a huge resurgence now of D&D because this current edition is really uh, new player friendly and really user friendly. So tons of people are getting into D&D. And there's a bunch of groups at the store and all that and men and women and all kinds of... You know, tons of people. Um, how do you feel about that? Coming from an era where it was like basically a dirty word to be a nerd, you know, nobody would want to stand up and go, yes, I'm a nerd. Now we've got things like geek chic where, you know, it's actually becoming popular slash, uh, I guess more than accepted. It's becoming something to brag about that. Oh yeah. I play video games. I, you know, does that seem weird to you at all coming from where you come from? No, I think it's good because, like I said, I was never in a group. I, I talked to everybody. I guess I would have fit in the redneck group better because I had the big four-wheel drive truck. Mm-hmm. But I liked everybody. I tried to talk to everybody. And I felt sorry for the nerds because they didn't have a chance to ever be accepted because nobody would give them that chance. Mm-hmm. So I think it's good that now these people, you know, they're coming into their own and they have their own little name for, you know, who they are and everything. And like I said, most of them were the most successful people when you go back to the reunion. So I think it's good that they, they get recognized and not be outcast anymore. Mm-hmm. And like I said, um, when I was in high school, it was still not something to be proud of until the Spider-Man movies, and the X-Men movies came out. But prior to that, um, you know, people be like, oh, yeah, he likes comic books. Nobody cared. I mean, it, it wasn't really a thing, but it sounds like it was much more of a thing when you were in 
high school, so it seems like it's slowly become more and more and more accepted as yeah, time goes on. As does everything. Sure. You know, everything now is being coming, you know, people that were weird before or had to hide before don't have to anymore. Yeah. Well, just like marijuana. I mean, the resurgence of marijuana in, in recent years and the legalization and all yeah. that, whereas you had a specific class of people, the burnouts, yep, quote the unquote. Burnouts. That, and in the 70s, know. it was the hippies. Yeah. Everything was the hippies. The hippies were, you know, free love and they did the psychedelic <laughs> drugs and, you know. Now we call those ravers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I also agree. I'm super excited. There's a lot of people that don't like the idea of, uh, they call them gatekeeping nerds. You know, they're like, oh, I don't like all these new people in Warhammer. I don't like all these new people in Magic or in D&D and uh, they're ruining the hobby and blah, blah, blah. And and honestly, I mean, they're not going to ruin the hobby any more than the neckbeards already ruined the hobby. <laughs> so, no, it I mean, sounds like you growing up had the same groups of people I had, but you had different names for them. Yeah. I think it's the same groups everywhere. Where we had goths. You didn't have goths, no, you know. No, we had burnouts. The burnouts were yeah. the goths, too. They're the ones and, that wore the flannel and were real, you know, everything was drama and they smoked their cigarettes. And, and you know, uh, Brew Brew, as he's known on the show, my brother, who happens to be your, he's your son. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know him, yeah, right? Yeah, I know him, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, Brew Brew, uh, he graduated a couple years after the night, after I did in high school, and he told me about a group of people called Emo. And at the time, I said, what on earth is an emo? Because just five years prior, when I graduated, there was no such thing as emo. You know, you had goths, but you didn't have... It's yeah. just so weird how those things kind of evolved, but they're kind of the same groups. Yeah. But, you know, it's just strange. Although, so. nowadays, you had the same groups I had with different names, but nowadays, if the nerds are evolving, you don't have that... <laughs> they're <laughs> adapting. Funny. That's what it is. They, they're they evolving and coming into their own. So yeah. um, that's good because that didn't happen in my time. Didn't happen when you were in school. What's weird is a lot of the nerd culture uh, focuses on creativity and revolves around creativity. Using your imagination and reading books and playing games with your imagination and painting models and all the stuff. Whereas if you think about it, it's almost a renaissance of creativity in society when everyone, all those other groups we talk about, are slowly getting pulled into the nerd stuff because surfing, right? All the surfers that you went to school with, well, that's not really creative. I mean, it's athletic. The jocks, well, that's athletic. You know, the cheerleaders, well, skaters. the skaters, you know, all that stuff. Sure, th- there's benefits to that and there's skill in that, but it's not creative per se. Whereas the nerds doing their imaginative things is creative and it's interesting that now you have jocks that play D&D and you have all these things that are, they're kind of merging and gelling together and it's kind of neat that society is starting to accept this more creative way of doing things. You know, fantastical superheroes and all that. this doesn't have anything to do with comic books really, but... Just like um, your daughters, they like to watch all the creative videos on YouTube. Oh, yeah. The ladies making dolls or repainting dolls' faces. Yep. And everything seems to be coming more to the creative front. Yeah. And um, we see more and more people every year come to Warhammer and things like that, um, including women, which obviously it's in the past has been mostly a male thing. And... Um, uh, but it's, it's interesting to see more and more people. You see more younger people, more older people. You know, it's it's just funny. Um, I'm happy, though. It's kind of like a renaissance. And you know that, that show Stranger Things. Yeah. They, apparently, I've never seen it, but they claim that it has a lot to do with D&D. They play D&D in the show, mm-hmm. and it's set in the 80s, and that has helped spur the new renaissance of D&D and nerd culture and all that. Not to mention the superhero movies, which are super popular and all that. But, um... Well, one thing that was really weird about the nerds, I forgot to say, back in the 80s, is they were always alone. They never sat together in the lunchroom. They all sat alone. Some would eat outside. Some ate in the bathroom. They, they, they were even alone amongst each other. That's weird. They didn't hang out together. Not in school. I mean, they might have done something after school. Well, they, they, they'd pass each other in the hallway, spit on each other, and go, nerd! They didn't talk. No. No, that's what we did. No, I'm joking. They didn't talk. They never hung out. They were always alone and isolated. Yeah, it was just odd. They were vampires, I told you. Probably were. They probably were. They, they, they'd sink into a locker and shut the door and, and just nap during lunch. <laughs> 
<laughs> Maybe. Attack a janitor or something. <laughs> anyway, thank you for being on Momcron. And um, thank you, first of all, for giving birth to me. That was cool. Yeah. That was that, cool of you. I wouldn't say it was cool. It was kind of hard, but yeah. <laughs> it was really nice of you, though. Yeah, it you was. didn't have to. Yeah. And, uh, you know, then I, I wouldn't be able to lighten up all these people's day. Well, I would like to think that I am a big part of you being so creative. Because when you were younger, you I would draw, and I certainly couldn't draw as good as you do now. But when you were real little, you'd say, I want to draw like you. So I'd show you how to do a couple things. And then all of a sudden, you surpassed me. And you won art contests in school. And you were so creative. You went to creative writing classes at the college when you were, what, in middle school? Yeah. Middle school. Um, so, but I would like to think that I helped nurture some yeah. of this creativity and... Yeah, you always, you always, um, uh, praised all of my hundreds of millions of drawings I ever I sent you. I still have them. Yeah. I still have them. Yeah, I'd come down, I'd be working on drawings up in my room, because I remember I bought a drafting table when mm-hmm. I was a kid, mm-hmm. a high schooler, and I'd be working for hours late at night, you know, do my drawings, and I'd come down, and I'd show Dad, Dad Dad'd be like, yeah, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> then I'd show you, and you'd uh-huh. be like, oh. Really nice. Yeah, they yeah. were good. And my creativity came from it was funny in the back of my dad's detective magazines, which were like his yeah. comic books. Yeah, I remember that. Um, True Detective and all that. There was always, and I know you've seen it, this stupid little turtle head, and they would say, "Draw this, <laughs> and you can go to drawing school for free, or you could win a prize or a contest." And I always drew that and sent it in, and I never got anything. Uh, I know, but I think you tried to do it once, didn't you? See one uh, when, something in the back of a magazine when I was a child, but I don't remember if we actually mailed it off or not. But I remember, I remember doing it, drawing it, and all that. Oh, yeah. One more thing, and the comics that I did get, which weren't Marvel or superhero. But in all the other lame comics that I did get, they always had in the back where you could send away for sea monkeys. Oh, yeah. Didn't we do that one time? Wasn't it you? Somebody uh, did. Yes, we did. And um, they were just like little powder. They were they dried floated. shrimp or something. Yeah, like they little. T- they yeah, weren't they, even alive. They weren't alive. No. I know. That was a ripoff. <laughs> it was. <laughs> I remember. You, you added water to them. And they just, it was like dust or something yeah. that floated and around. we thought that. we were really going to see some sea monkeys, didn't we? Yeah, and you know, the picture was really deceiving. They had a house and a family yeah. and everything. Yeah, they had clothes on. <laughs> There's a disclaimer that you had to help them with their taxes every year and just yeah. all kinds of stuff. We built them a little grocery store <laughs> and it's just, yeah. wow. Um, anyway, well, thank you for being on. It's been a lot of fun talking to you. We haven't seen each other in years. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, it was fun. (laughs) All right, see ya. Bye.